Hello, Go Check Yourself listeners, and welcome to Go Check Yourself Season 3 Finale. Last week, we were talking about the Season 3 Finale of Chuck, but now we're on the Season 3 Finale of Go Check Yourself. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the DVD bonus features in addition to some other things. And in those bonus features, we learn from the creators of Chuck about their plans for the various seasons of Chuck. Season 1, we learn, is about a bumbling man becoming thrust into greatness. Season 2 is about a uh, boy becoming a man, and season three is about a man becoming a spy. So this made me think about Go Chuck Yourself's various season arcs. Season one, two bumbling people are thrust into greatness that they haven't asked for, and yet they are forced to accept. I think that checks out pretty well. Season two, I, I really do feel like we were children becoming adults. We really matured. And then uh, season three, um, we have, we have a break coming up. We have a little hiatus. We are going to be away for the rest of the summer until September. And I can't tell you exactly what we're going to be doing, but I will neither confirm nor deny that we as adults have become spies. You don't have to be a spy to follow us on Twitter. That's Go Chuck Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can also email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave us a review on iTunes, which we'd absolutely love coming into season four. We'd love to get above lucky number 13 with our reviews. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode and the ultimate consummation of, well, I guess consummation is kind of a weird word, but uh, I'm going to stick with it. Adults become spies here on Go Chuck Yourself. to Barry Bartowski and everything in between, this is Go Check Yourself, the Season 3 Recap Special. We're talking everything Season 3, everything you've ever wanted to know about Season 3. Obviously, uh, if you've been following Go Check Yourself, you'll know that we've been re-watching and, and analyzing and discussing Season 3 over these past few months, and now we have finished all of the episodes, so we're ready to look at the big picture. We are ready to see... The forest for all those little trees. My name is Chris Gillespie. I was waiting for you to say your name. My name is Aaron Arata. I can tell when I'm, well, this, you know, thankfully while we're recording, we have our video chat back up and running. Last week, we did not have that. We were over the phone. But oh, yes, it was. It was like a sign from the gods. We were about to hit record. And then suddenly the Internet lit up once again. Yes. And we're back. And I can see Aaron's smiling face and I can see when she gets uncomfortable when I don't say my name early in the opening of the episode. It's always kind of a kind of like playing a game of chicken, really, <laughs> when I don't say my name because Aaron just kind of stares at me. I do not have a good uh, poker face. So, yes, this is Go Check Yourself, the season three uh, spectacular episode. Hashtag season of Aaron. We will be discussing a lot in this episode. We're going to be talking about the DVD bonus features on the season three DVD box set. Oh, I'm pretty excited about that. As well as our favorite episodes, our favorite guest stars, our favorite songs, as well as some of our not favorite uh, elements of season three. We've got all of the all of the usual favorites are here. We got Chuck Mary Kill, Scooter Scale. We've got them and they're bigger than ever. And <laughs> maybe we'll even have a preview of what season four has in store for Go Chuck Yourself. Who knows? One thing that we're not talking about this week, deleted scenes. That's right. <laughs> Thank God. For the first time ever, 
in a season finale episode or season recap episode, we will not be talking about deleted scenes because I uh, we wove them into the episodes the way. How, how do you feel about that decision? Do you think it was a good call, bad call? Uh, honestly, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my <laughs> life. I was stoked to not have to sit down and ro- watch hours of deleted <laughs> scenes out of context to tell you in in uh, this recording because. And it just helps us understand you you better understand the episode when you see the scenes in real time. Yeah, it's nice because um when you did that before, I would just like pretty much tune you out while you were talking, but when it's woven into the episode, then I'm like kind of interested. No, you still tune me out when I'm talking, but you at least <laughs> I don't still have, eat cheese it's Yeah, you don't have to tune me out for an entire block of an yeah, episode. Yeah. So mm-hmm. deleted scenes, you already heard all about them. They're not happening today. Thank God. But what is happening today and uh this is a this is a big deal this is gonna be a visual only gag but maybe aaron will take a picture uh i ordered this right after the entertainment weekly virtual cast reunion and it just arrived this week i've been talking about that's cool my my chuck poster there we go look at that all right got a picture um so this i literally opened uh or ordered in april and because of i guess various shipping delays related to current events (laughs) <laughs> it, it took almost until mid-July for this to arrive. So, But it's really cool. Are you going to frame it? Where are you going to put it? Uh, I, I am going to frame it. It's just for, for you listening might be familiar with this kind of poster. I saw in one of the DVD bonus features, actually, this poster was featured when the uh, cast was at Comic-Con. But it's the one of, it's like the Chuck movie poster where everyone's everyone's on it and it's cool. And um, It kind of looks like the Goonies or something. Yeah, it's kind of like 80s. Old, old style, yeah. And uh, Josh Schwartz had a copy of the poster framed when he did, was doing the virtual table read. So ah, so you're a you're a regular Josh Schwartz now. I guess so. That's the level I'm putting myself on. I'm like, yeah, I'm basically the creator of Chuck. I <laughs> am one of the creators of Go Chuck Yourself. So it's kind of like yeah, the same thing. Same thing. Sometimes I think uh, our Twitter followers or people we engage with on Twitter think that we have more to do with the creation of Chuck than we do. And I'll continue that myth. I'll, yeah, if that's I will. What they Thank you. Believe, I always fine. appreciate it when it happens. <laughs> we have direct influence over what happens with Chuck. Before we started, I wanted to just take a moment and say, like, let's I just wanted to recap both for ourselves and the listener everything that has happened in this season three, because I know for us, we started recording the season in February Mm-hmm. And it's now mid-July, so it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. A lot of a lot of stuff has happened in Chuck and in the the world. So I just wanted to run through a refresher of everything that happened in season three. Uh and I'm gonna take you back, Aaron. Are you ready? I'm I'm ready. I uh I feel like you're about to say, like, here's a few things you should know, or maybe you just forgot. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Chuck goes to Prague and is fired from the CIA while he's learning to become a real spy. Uh, Emmett is murdered. That happens this season. The ring thinks that Devin's a spy. We think they think that he's the intersect. Uh, we meet Shaw. We meet Hannah. We find out that Chuck wants to see the Eiffel Tower and always has. Uh, <laughs> Hannah joins the Bymore. She works there. She and Chuck date. Uh, Sarah and Shaw date. Chuck tells Morgan that he's a spy. Chuck tells Sarah that he loves her. Chuck both fails and passes his red test of killing someone. Casey finds out that he has a daughter named Alex. Shaw finds out that Sarah killed his late wife and brings Sarah to Paris to try to kill her. Chuck seemingly kills Shaw in Paris by shooting him. Chuck and Sarah get together officially and have a European locomotive sex vacation. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ellie and Devin go to Africa for Doctors Without Borders, and Devin is poisoned slash gets malaria. The intersect starts to corrode Chuck's brain. Ellie is tricked by uh, this ring agent named Justin into working with the ring. Shaw is brought back to life by the ring and downloads the intersect himself. Shaw tries to discredit Chuck, Sarah, Casey, and Beckman and gets them kicked out of the CIA. Shaw kills Steven, uh, Chuck and Ellie's father. Chuck comes clean to Ellie about his spy life. Chuck fights and ultimately defeats Shaw in a showdown. Morgan and Alex exchange phone numbers and are perhaps getting together. And the Bymore is destroyed in a massive explosion. Wow, it's really, when you lay it all out like that, a lot did happen this season. And now, Aaron, I know you've been dying to hear about the DVD bonus features, which... I have, there, yes. There are mercifully only few this time around. Okay. Uh, so we, what were they? We have the typical kind of, like, behind-the-scenes cast retrospective, uh, where there's, like, talking heads and people reflecting on season three and the show as, as a whole. Um, okay. It's called Chuck Fu and Dim Sum. Uh, okay. What it's called? Tasteful uh, title. So we we talk to the the main players of the cast. We talk to the creators. Talk to some of the producers, writers. Uh, kind of, I jotted down some of the things that I thought were interesting about it. They were speculating about you know why Chuck was so successful. They really think that it's Zachary Levi was saying that it's a really a truly multi genre kind of program that is mm-hmm. action, comedy, romance, drama, sci fi, and they they really blend all of that, and that blend is not usually done uh on tv and then uh they were talking about how everybody can and wants to see themselves in chuck because he's a regular guy and he's kind of he's lovable and bumbling but tries to rise to greatness and people they feel like people can really connect to that or want to connect to that Mm -hmm. they talk about the evolution that the show experienced in season one and how they made the conscious choice to evolve the show based off of what was working narratively and what fans were responding to so rather than having like this kind of big overarching game plan from the beginning, they kind of have adapted every season to like make things work based off of That's what really is succeeding. Mm-hmm. The kind of a note from the writer's room was kind of interesting is that some of the writers on the staff were really like really taking this multi-genre approach to heart. Like some of the writers really were like the sci-fi writers and some writers were like really into the romance stuff between Chuck and Sarah Others were into the Buy More and Jeff and Lester. So they kind of had all those different voices being merged into one. That's uh, really interesting. Had a section called Chuck versus the Recap in this larger Sounds retrospective. Sounds like what we're doing here. Kind of. And uh, I think it might have been Josh Schwartz that was outlining the season or the series thus far. And they said that season one they really viewed as this reluctant bumbling non-hero becoming a hero was kind of the thesis of season one. The thesis of season two was boy becomes man. Where <laughs> okay. Chuck is trying to mature. And then season three, the thesis was man becomes spy. Okay. I see that. Which I think is interesting because they were talking about how Chuck initially, like really in the first two seasons wants to get the, wants to get out of the spy world and wants to get the intersect out of his head. But season mm-hmm. three is all about him embracing it and Mm -hmm. wanting to have it and taking on that responsibility and they felt that season three incorporating that into season three would really re-energize the show and propel it into the future Mm -hmm. rather than chuck always being like i don't want to do this but now he wants to so they feel like more stories are open up i think that's really cool i i really like looking at it that way yeah i thought that was a good way and i feel like they succeed in in doing that they had said that they wanted to teach 
Chuck Kung Fu since the end of season one, but they didn't feel like they could pull it off. So they were happy to finally incorporate it into season three. Mm -hmm. And they obviously have a very talented team behind the action scenes and the stunts and all that stuff. And they always felt like they were pleased with how they were able to take all these kind of action movie tropes, like sneaking through a hall with lasers or fight scenes or different things like that and putting a Chuck spin on them, which I feel like is true for yes. for all the seasons. And absolutely, they were praising Zachary Levi as a performer because they say that he has the the DNA of an action star, but can still play a bumbling nerd. So that allows him to pull off the multifaceted kind of character of Chuck, who is both. Sounds like Chuck and Shazam. Exactly. That's he's got a he's got a skill set. Yeah. Very, very particular set of skills. And that set of skills pertains to <laughs> playing heroes and also dorky guys, I guess. Yeah. Uh, this was an interesting term, which I thought we, you know, we discussed, but we never really labeled it. They referred to the addition of Shaw and Hannah this season as the love trapezoid. OK. Rather than a love triangle. I see. Yeah. And. They talked about that for a little bit, and Yvonne had said that it was fulfilling as a, an actor to have the character's relationship grow and evolve because she knew that the the tension, like the sexual chemistry and the tension is what people liked watching, but being able to actually take a character and go through that whole arc, I guess, was very gratifying for her. Mm-hmm. Adam Baldwin had... They didn't really talk about Casey too much, but they kind of talked about how this season their goal was to humanize Casey and turn him from like this inhuman killing machine to a family man. (laughs) Yeah. And that Adam Baldwin had basically said, like, you know, I don't really I don't really write like Casey. I don't have any say over the lines. I just grunt it. (laughs) Referring to all of the grunts that he does as Casey. And then they talked a little bit about, you know, incorporating Devin and Ellie and Morgan into the spy world. And they mm-hmm. they felt that I thought this was kind of interesting that Schwartz had said that Morgan and Chuck really were not sharing that much screen time in like the towards the end of season two or the beginning of season three. Mm-hmm. And they felt like to get that buddy chemistry back together, the only real option was to introduce Morgan into the spy world so he could hang out with Chuck more. And that's fair. Yeah. And they said that they like the like Zachary Levi and Joshua Gomez were basically campaigning for that because they liked hanging out together and wanted to have more scenes together. So they, yeah, they figured out a way to do that. Ryan McPartland talked a little bit about how Devin starts out wanting to be a part of the spy world, but then realizes that he does, he wants nothing to do with the spy world, mm-hmm. which I thought was funny. Cause I had almost forgotten about Devin <laughs> wanting to be involved in the spy world, which yeah. he was, yeah. but by the end of the season, he's just kind of like, uh, get me out of here. Yeah. Get me, get me the hell out of this. And then they had also, because Ellie kind of appears a little bit more in the final six episodes, and they said that they really wanted to use Sarah Lancaster more as an actress because they felt like they were, um, like, underutilizing her. So they introduced the whole Justin plot point to rope her into the spy world and kind of get her in in a creative way. And then Sarah Lancaster was saying that she had a blast doing those last few episodes since Ellie gets to do so much, and she specifically highlighted getting to uh, hit Adam Baldwin with a frying pan <laughs> as something that she loved doing. So I thought that was cute. Yeah, I'm sure that was very fun. Lastly, they talk about Comic-Con in Chuck versus Comic-Con. It was really just kind of like there was some footage of the cast at Comic-Con and the Schwartz and uh, Fedak were talking about how it was crazy that the first season of Chuck, they debuted the pilot at Comic-Con and people got like got a really good response. And then the size of their panels has been growing exponentially. 
because the first panel they felt like it was just people coming to see Adam Baldwin in this new show, but now it's like people were coming to see the whole cast and see Chuck. So they were thanking the fans and we're once again thanking them for saving Chuck through the the subway campaign. And uh, Chris Fedak was was reflecting on how crazy it was that an idea that he pitched to his wife one morning while they were making the bed turned into a show that he created <laughs> with his friend. I thought you were going to say, uh, well, they were making love. While they were making love, he said, I have to stop. Hold on. What about this? A show where a, <laughs> uh, the employee of a, a Best Buy-like store gets a supercomputer downloaded to their head. Okay, we can continue now. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy, though. It's kind of like uh, when uh, we two friends were um, probably not making the bed, but we were probably texting one another and said, why don't we start a podcast about the show, Chuck? Yes, and here we are two years later. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, like, if you if you think of it, like... You can't think of it in comparison to the like the viewers of Chuck because that would just be like so much more massive. But like, um, what's the like for for scale? Like scale down. Like our listenership in our first season is kind of like their watchership at Comic Con, and then we've we've expanded. We've mm-hmm. grown with Chuck. It's really so. It's like not being like you know, it's not like having dominion over other people. It's really kind of like having dominion over something much smaller. But. Yeah. A part yeah, yeah. of the Chuck ecosystem, maybe, yes. hopefully. hopefully. Yeah, because it's the Chuck fans are wonderful, and they uh, they did this for us, and they did this for Chuck as a show throughout its seasons. Ask and you shall receive. Yes. Uh, and then, lastly, uh, they were kind of were talking about the future of Chuck. So this would be season three, moving into season four. Mm-hmm. And the writer Allison Adler had said that they felt like they paved the way for the show to go anywhere. Now that all the characters are like looped in about the spy stuff and they feel like there's a lot of new stories that can be told moving forward. Yeah. So this must have gotten people really jazzed for season four. It's gotten me really jazzed for season four because I don't really remember it very much. Yeah. And Ryan McParlin had also said that he feels like the show is not really about Chuck being a spy. It's about the relationships in Chuck's mm-hmm. life and the spy mm-hmm. stuff is just kind of secondary. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a yeah. pretty good way to view it. It's like him navigating these human relationships in addition to him also being a spy yeah do you know if they knew um that they had been renewed at this point like when they got to the end of season three i think they did they did i think they found out that they were getting renewed when the that six season or the six okay. episode order came in or at least okay. by the end of the season they knew that yeah. season four was coming i kind of am remembering maybe it was chuck versus the role models i read one of the reviews and i feel like at that point they had made the announcement mm-hmm. so it must have been somewhere in these last six episodes they found out pretty standard fare for the dvd mm-hmm. special feature uh the next part we have is a fake music documentary <laughs> okay called the jeffster revolution oh how'd you like that it was 10 minutes long, and I would contend that it felt like it was eight minutes too long. <laughs> it's kind of like what you would imagine. It's uh, Vic Sahe and Scott Krinsky in character as Jeff and Lester, but being self-important rock stars in the Bymore filming mm-hmm. this kind of documentary. It's okay. just a lot of them goofing around and kind of improvising about Jeffster. Turns out that Jeffster was founded when Jeff and Lester were drinking at happy hour, and Jeff pointed out that it was karaoke Monday. And he encouraged Lester to go up and sing. But Lester was nervous to do that. So Jeff went up and stood next to him and kept time for him while he was singing a Dolly Parton song, I guess. All right. And they, <laughs> there's some I laughed. There's some things I laughed at during this because Lester was talking about his their friendship. And he said, I wish my future spouse could be like Jeff. 
And then the person conducting the interview says, is there some kind of codependency there? And then Lester just says, shut up, just shut up. <laughs> uh, so That's it's a lot, sweet. a lot of them goofing around in the buy more uh, intercut with performances of Jeffster with weird little lines thrown in there. Jeff says, I have the Garfunkel hair, but Lester has the Garfunkel attitude. <laughs> alluding to some conflict in the group. They talk about how like any creative duo, there is tension and ego, but there's a lot of love and respect. Uh, kind of like us, you know, obviously egos are intention are always flaring, but we oh. uh, have our agents talk to one another and then eventually yeah, yeah. We, we get to a place of mutual we love come and to respect a consensus. Yes. Yeah. After we sue each other a ton of times <laughs> to get what we want. And then they talk about specifically how the the Jeffster concert during Chuck versus the beard when they performed Fortunate Son was this big pivotal moment in their career. Uh, and then we find out that this documentary was filmed later that day. Like they're talking about this historic event, but it just took place a few hours earlier, I guess. <laughs> and then they talk about the future of Jeffster. Jeff suggests doing a mall tour like Tiffany. But then Lester says, we've modeled some of what we do on Tiffany, but we cannot model everything on Tiffany. <laughs> and the closing credits reveal that the documentary was written, directed and edited by Lester. That's cute. I can see how that would um, be a little long, but it does sound cute and entertaining. It seems like uh, in line with some of the previous season's bonus segments. Yeah, it was a little bit. It felt like they obviously had a little bit less budget, I feel like, for these bonus mm -hmm. things this time around, mm -hmm. which I think is fine. I thought it was kind of disappointing that there's no like commentary ever like on the episodes. Like, a, like, um, like a, an episode would play with commentary tracks. Mm -hmm. That would be really cool. Does that ever, do you think that comes up in like season four? Maybe. It could. Who could say? Hopefully. Once again, yeah. I have not opened the season four DVD case. Yeah. <laughs> so I will be opening it soon, I imagine, for cool. season four. Yeah. We'll find out. They also have the gag reel called Chuck and Chuckles. Okay. Standard, pretty standard bloopers. There are some highlights, though, which I really need to shout out and I need to share with you. And I'm sorry that you can't see them in person, but maybe you I can online. But yeah, I'll, I'll look. Uh, there's a scene from. So, you know, the scene ver where in Chuck versus the fake name, when Sarah shows up at Shaw's hotel room and Shaw's mm -hmm. only wearing a towel. Maybe you remember that. Maybe oh, that'll be yeah. familiar yeah. to you. There might be. Um, there's a, a little tickle in the back of my brain. So the scene starts and Shaw comes out just wearing the towel and they like start to exchange their dialogue. But then as soon as they start. Jeff emerges from Shaw's bathroom wearing nothing but a towel <laughs> and then walks up in between Sarah and Shaw and then removes his towel, revealing that he's only wearing like black, like briefs, men's underpants uh -huh. and just kind of stands there and dances oddly. <laughs> and then they both kind of laugh. And Brandon Routh says, oh, he's showing me up now. And then Yvonne grabs Scott and leads him into the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. That's also interesting. Like, that Scott was there while they were filming that scene? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that was totally unexpected. I did not see that coming. Seems like a, a great guy. That's funny. Then I think this was, was this in Chuck versus the Tooth, maybe? When I can't answer they, that for you. When they call Beckman in the middle of the night mm -hmm. and for the emergency meeting, and then we see Beckman's partner slash husband slash man friend slash lover in the background. Mm -hmm. So in the blooper version, it's the same scene, except the... Uh, Beckman's friend is carrying a blow-up sex doll <laughs> in the background while he goes to the refrigerator. So Beckman is just stone-faced, like, talking to the camera, and then there's this ridiculous doll in the background. That's great. Could have given us some insight into Beckman's love life. Yeah, wow. 
And lastly, in Chuck versus the Beard, featuring Deirdrick Bader and Cedric Yarborough, there's a scene where Cedric Yarborough asks Deirdrick if he's coming across as too white uh, because Cedric is black. And Deirdrick takes a pause and says, maybe a little. And then Cedric <laughs> says, damn it. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. I like when the guest stars are highlighted on the blooper reel. Yeah, it was cute. Uh, I enjoyed it, and it kind of reinforced something that Joshua Gomez said in his talking head in the Chuck uh, Chuck Kung Fu, Chuck Fu in Dim Sum, where he said, I don't think there's a sh- another show out there that has as much fun on set as we do. And based on the bloopers, it seems like they had quite a bit of fun. Yeah, and that's absolutely in line with what Jesse said when we spoke to him. So mm-hmm. I think that really comes across on screen. Like, I think that's another reason why people respond so well to it is just like, the cast and crew are obviously having so much fun. Like, mm. Yeah, they think they kind of occupy, occupy a space where it's like, you know, we get to make this kind of fun show and it's not like this high pressure, like critical drama where it's like a ton writing on every episode. I think they mm. seem like they're pretty laid back when they're filming, although I'm sure they were very, they don't really have. I'm sure a, there were stressful moments. I was going to say they don't really have a blooper reel highlighting times when things weren't fun or like when things are going well. But I guess that's mm-hmm. just an episode. Because you see the best parts of <laughs> yeah. what they recorded during the episode of anti blooper reel. I'm going to write that down. I think that could be something. It could be something. Obviously, like any season of Chuck, music played a large role of season three and how the, the songs that were chosen reflect what's going on in the episodes, evoke different feelings. So, Aaron, what were some of your favorite musical selections from season three? Oh, I have a couple things to highlight. Um, starting right at Chuck versus the Pink Slip, I really think my number one pick is still going to be My Backwards Walk by Fran Rabbit. I Not surprising, but I feel like that usage and that song in general just, like, fits so well in that scene. So I think that's really, like, something I remember as a highlight, much like I remember the Talking Heads in season two. Like, um, I would say also... Swim Until You Can't See Land in Chuck versus the Tic Tac was a nice, um, ending montage song. Probably partially because I know it, but also I just thought it was good. Holiday by Vampire Weekend and Chuck versus the Honeymooners stands out. I think it's um, a little bit on the nose, but I thought that was kind of like a delightful scene. And I still get a lot of pleasure out of imagining it taking place over a short period of time. And then uh, Right Round in Chuck versus the Tooth, I thought was... Um, I have problems, which we'll get into later in the episode with Anna and how she's utilized in season three. But I did think that that was pretty fun i thought that was uh delightful and then i have to i would be remiss if i did not add a fortunate son by jeffster in chuck versus the beard i thought that that was a nice cover and i really liked how it was utilized i liked the uh nerf gun fights i thought that was fun i do have a note that i have to um if you if you do not list something i am going to make sure to add it on your behalf but i will let you uh make your actual list before i uh make any objections to it uh all right so (laughs) with that being said i would get i also have to say like honorable mention wise i'd say the frightened rabbit songs because it's like how do you not how do you think of season three without thinking of those two frightened rabbit songs which of course you know i went back after watching these episodes and and got myself some frightened rabbit frightened rabbit albums and (laughs) have been trying to familiarize myself with more of their music and it was very I will always associate it with Chuck. I was thinking about this, and I think my 
I talked about this at the time, but I, I guess I really have to highlight Here's Looking at You Kid by the Gaslight Anthem from mm-hmm. Chuck versus the Tooth. Not the Streetlight Manifesto, but Not the Not the Streetlight Anthem. Manifesto. Uh, I think it's a bittersweet, quiet song that really conveys how Chuck is feeling in the moment. He's scared about what's going to happen and scared to tell Sarah mm-hmm. about his brain. But he's also being reaffirmed by Sarah telling him that she loves him. So... Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of just I obviously like the that band a lot and that song and I just thought it was really well done because sometimes you have a good song and you have a good scene but they don't always work together the way that they are executed it's not great but I feel like that the execution on that was was excellent and I really wish I had some more upbeat selections <laughs> from this season because I feel like the past seasons I've been like we've had more like we talked about Britney Spears toxic in season mm-hmm. one and then mm-hmm. talking heads and once in a lifetime and mm-hmm. And Tom Sawyer by Rush in season two, mm-hmm. but the song season or this, three was more like quiet and like it was a little like a, a build, a slow burn. Right. They didn't and, have uh, they didn't have skinny love this season though, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, and this time, like when I was going through all the songs that are from the season, I was like, I want to find an uh, upbeat one, but I think the, the song that I most gravitate towards are the ones that are like this song accurately reflects how it must feel to know that your brain is disintegrating and not feeling comfortable telling your loved ones about that. That's where I'm at right now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable, given what's going on in the world. Is that the end of your list, or do you have any more? That is the end of my list, but what would you like to add to my list, Aaron? Uh, Chris would really like to highlight the song Leaving on a Jet Plane by Jeffster, which was a very important moment for him. He believes that Jeffster unplugged slash acoustic is great and he would listen to it on his own time, even if not watching Chuck. I don't know if I would say it's great. I would say that I entered the situation having very low expectations and my expectations were I ended up having a better time than my low expectations. So better than expected. I don't know if I would say it's great, but sure, it that was it. Exceeds expectations. Exceeds expectations. And maybe those expectations were low, but <laughs> sure. Yeah, that was an important musical moment for me this season yes, as well. Okay, good. I'm glad we added it in. Speaking of things that get added in, there were quite a few guest stars this season throughout all these episodes of Chuck. Aaron, who do you think had the best guest spot turn So um, we will get more into this. Brandon Routh technically counts as a special guest star, and I just did want to list him. I know he's more of a main guest character, but I think that um, at least in the front half of the season, I thought that he was great. He did a good job, liked seeing him, liked seeing him in a towel, just in general. Going to highlight Stone Cold Steve Austin, liked seeing him. Um, especially uh, hearing Jesse Hyman talk about getting to meet him and how exciting that was for the cast and crew. Just uh, he he gets a special shout out. And then maybe my number one choice. I unfortunately do not know her real name, but Sasha the Tiger, whichever uh, lovely tigress actress played played that role. She she was great. And I really hope she's still alive and maybe still acting. <laughs> she's she was my favorite guest spot. I will have to agree 100 percent. Aaron had texted me before this episode and said, I think we're going to be on the same page about this. And I was like, I don't know. Mine's going to be kind of weird. And my my favorite guest spot was also Sasha the Tiger. Oh, well, I, when I said that, I thought that you were also going to say Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, I, I am also I also okay. wrote that down. I said, okay, and good. also in case she says it's a human, it will be Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Which I'm I glad also we're on the down. same page here. Once again, I think Stone Cold Steve Austin's performance was really bad, but <laughs> it brought me a lot of pleasure through how yes. bad it was. 
And Sasha's performance was really good and brought us a lot of pleasure. So, of course, she's going to be number one. She's going to be number one. She's a great actress. How often do you see a live tiger in Chuck? You don't. Exactly. It was great. Yeah, she she ran after Morgan. That was good. That's something we've all wanted to take a swipe at him every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. She uh, destroyed that walk-in closet. And, you know, who hasn't wanted to punch through the the door of a a walk-in closet? Yeah, of course. I haven't, but maybe you have. Maybe someone out there has. Any thoughts on underutilized guest spots this season? I uh, stand by what I said a couple episodes ago. I think Fred Willard and Swoozy Kurtz don't really have enough to do, especially yeah. since they're both like very prolific classic actor actors. And um, so I enjoyed seeing them on my screen. I thought that they did a good job with what they were given, but I feel like they could have done so much more either comedically or spy wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to highlight uh, Robert Patrick in um, Chuck versus the Tic Tac. That was uh, Casey's former mentor man. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like in Chuck versus the Sensei, I feel like this was an interesting concept and work to humanize Casey, but the actual actor um, performing that role didn't really have a lot to do. But I did want to note that I recently, like a lot of people, since it was added to Netflix, have been watching Avatar The Last Airbender. And there is a character who is voiced by Robert Patrick, and I recognized his voice as someone from Chuck, and I couldn't figure out who it was, but it was um, the commander from Chuck versus the Tic Tac. So those three um, great jobs, like I think that they did good with what they were given, but I did not think they were given enough to do and could have been utilized a little better. Yeah, I would. I highlighted the actor Christopher Lloyd in his turn as the actor Christopher Lloyd in Chuck. Oh, that's fair. I feel like it. I thought it would have been interesting if he was in multiple episodes because I feel like the episode starts off and he's in it and he's like, talk. T- Chuck talks to him for like three, like thirty seconds, and he's like, "You're dying." And then Chuck's <laughs> like, "What?" And then Chuck gets sent to the like mental facility, and then Christopher Lloyd comes back at the end and saves him from the facility, sort of, but then has another meeting with Chuck, and then he's like, "Chuck, you're dying," and I was like. This really could have been really anyone. He's really just kind of like stone faced the entire time. And uh, it seems like something that was like nice promotional material for them to be like, oh, Christopher Lloyd is going to be on Chuck. And probably like some uh, some magazines wrote about it or like Entertainment Weekly wrote a piece or something. And other than that, it wasn't really like a huge deal within the actual episode. Mm hmm. I'm sure it cost a lot of money to have Christopher Lloyd for like multiple episodes, but it, it that would have been really cool if he was like, if there was a recurring bit of Chuck's therapist. Yeah, I thought to just have him be in like two episodes would have at least given it because I just felt like it was such a it was I guess it's really more tied into how the that particular episodes arc anyways with like introduce like Chuck, you're going crazy. And then I'm like, oh, you're not crazy. No, oh, you're crazy. No, you're not crazy. Yeah, you're crazy. Your brain is <laughs> yeah. is dying. So yes, so that was my thought. So now we're going to talk about our favorite episode of the season. There were a lot of great episodes this season. There were a couple that we um, rated a little less highly. But uh, looking back on it, Chris, what do you think your favorite episode or episodes are? The way that I think of this is that there is if you look at the scooter scale report based mm-hmm. off of how we've uh rated everything over the course of the season you'll see that there's a definitive favorite for the both of us which we'll talk about in a second okay so i didn't want to pick that one just because i felt like it was kind of spoken for already so i went Mm -hmm. to the the next two which 
I had organically thought of when I was going through the season, mm-hmm. like looking, thinking back to it and looking at our notes and everything. And then I checked at the scooter scale and I saw that we had also rated it basically as high as you can go without giving it a five. So I would like to say that my favorite episodes of the season, which I still think fondly of, are Chuck versus the Angel de la Morte and then Chuck versus the fake name. Uh, Chuck versus the Angel de la Morte, I feel like was just a really, really good episode that was kind of like classic Chuck stuff, but also incorporated new elements into it. And Chuck versus the fake name. There was a lot of action and then also drama and character development that happened that was all really huge and I thought handled really well. And comedy with those two guys. Do you remember their names off the top of your head? Ah, damn it. I should have wrote that down. I know. I know. The two uh, Um, mobster guys that were executed in the end of the episode, but were funny throughout the course of it. So since I don't have our um, graph right in front of me, I just went through a list of the episodes and pick the ones that jumped out of me as my having fond memories um in this is just i'm just going to list them in order of when the episodes were but uh chuck versus the beard i really um Mm -hmm. enjoy my memories of i don't remember what i rated it but uh, i really enjoyed watching um the cast reunion i also really enjoyed just that episode i think introducing like morgan is one one of the first to be brought into the spy world and i thought that was really engaging to see I liked seeing um, Diedrich Bader and Cedric Yarbrough. I thought they were great guest characters. And I liked the um, interaction. Like, I think this was a really good use of Buy More plus Spy World action. So that one, high high memories. Um, Chuck versus the other guy. Is that our highest rated episode that you were talking about? It is. Okay. So I uh, did not have any of your reservations about uh, naming that. I think that that was a... Wonderful episode. It was exciting. It was a great finale that didn't end up being the finale. And so we, we've we talked about that. I don't need to talk about it more. But something that may surprise you and certainly surprised me is that when I was looking through the episodes, I really remembered Chuck versus the Honeymooners as being something that I really liked. I don't know that it's one of the strongest episodes of the season. It's certainly not one of the strongest episodes of Chuck, but I just remember it being like the song Holiday. Like it was just kind of like a nice a nice little holiday we were cruising along together there were some funny moments i liked sarah's accent i liked chuck's accent Mm -hmm. um yeah that's true i guess it's kind of like a we're like oh this doesn't seem that strong but then compared to the episodes that would follow it it would be like i guess it's kind of better if not on par yeah (laughs) i think that's part of it um i also just think it's kind of like eating like a like a like a light cake kind of thing like it's it's empty calories it's not really like servicing you in any way but it's just kind of like a nice way to spend 42 minutes like an angel cake an angel yeah food yeah, cake. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i wish eating a cake would take me 40 minutes that would be nice i feel like i just <laughs> shovel it in my face why don't you just slow down whenever you're eating cake to 240 minutes i don't know what i like because i'd have to be doing something while i was eating the cake Because I can't just, like, sit there for 40 minutes just, like, slowly eating cake. I would have to be, like, talking to someone or, like, watching a show. Maybe that's what the the problem is. It's all, you know, like, we're just, this culture is all about consumerism and go, go, go. And you have to be creating or consuming. Why don't you just savor, savor the taste? All right. So, on that note, Chris, I'm leaving. Do the rest of the episode by yourself. Everyone's going to quit go check yourself to go (laughs) eat one slice of cake. Yep. For the rest of my life. I I think your selections are, are very good. I think Chuck versus the beard is a 
is an excellent episode as well. Yes, I agree. So we can move that into, um, unlike uh, underutilized guest spot, I'm not really going to use any like um, nice language here. I'm just going to say least favorite episode. What do you think? <laughs> For me, in my least favorite episode, I, I basically did this because I was like, I just looked at the list of all the episodes and I said, which one of these stands out to me that I'm like, this is my least favorite episode. Just going mm-hmm. from my gut. And yeah. My gut reaction is that my least favorite episode is Chuck versus the Nacho Sampler. <laughs> you hated that one. I really hated that one. And it's episode six of season three. And I basically had forgotten about it. But then when I was watching the DVD bonus features, there were clips from it and there were bloopers from it. And then... I was looking at the list and I was like, oh, this episode, this episode sucked. I really did not like this episode. I stand by that. I don't think I, I have yeah. a thought. I don't think fondly of it. I just think it was a I know what they were trying to do and I just don't think they did it well. And I'm OK with that. I don't I didn't need it to be better. It just was not one that I thought was I thought that was the low point for me. So I did the same thing and I don't know that this is going to line up with the score I gave it. But uh, Chuck versus the mask, I feel like when I look back huh. on stuff that I didn't like, I'm like, yeah. hmm, not not that one. Um, particularly just thinking about like Hannah being a crazy person is like, I think I just didn't really like Hannah. So any episode that she's in, I'm a little a little down on a little uh, lower <laughs> on the ladder for me. Also, I think um, Chuck versus the Tic Tac, although it did introduce some cool stuff for Casey, I hmm. feel like the um, actual stuff the actual uh, plot of the episode was a little weak for this season the season of Aaron and then I would be remiss if I did not include any of the latter latter episodes so of those I would say my least favorite is probably Chuck versus the tooth just because so much more could have been done with the actor Christopher Lloyd and with Chuck potentially losing his mind from the intersect and the mental health facility and everything like so much more could have been done there and mm-hmm. the episode itself was actually just pretty middling. I, I agree. That I think like Chuck versus the tooth is definitely one of the it's like because with Chuck versus the nacho sampler, like I'm like, I enjoy how much I dislike it. But with Chuck mm-hmm. versus the tooth, I'm just kind of like sad. Like I'm just disappointed because I'm yeah. like, oh, that was kind of a letdown. Yeah. Uh, but I feel more comfortable antagonizing Chuck versus <laughs> the nacho sampler. That's fine. And I think. Frankly, we'd both be remiss if we didn't give a special shout out to Chuck versus First Class, which <laughs> is either, once again, the best episode of Chuck or the worst episode of Chuck. And it might be both. I'm I fascinated think so, by simultaneously. It. It's like the, uh, yeah, that thought experiment. Whose cat is in the box? Schrodinger's cat? Schrodinger, yeah. It's That's the episode where it's like, is this a great episode <laughs> of Chuck or is this a terrible episode of Chuck? It's both and neither. Yes. Thank you, Chuck versus First Class. Thank you, Chuck versus First Class. (laughs) So something we spoke a little bit about last week and that's been peppered in through this season is Shaw is regarded as one of the worst villains in Chuck. And I think I said last week that when I first like started watching this season, I couldn't believe that. I was like, why would I like he's a great character, but I started to understand it later on. I also um, this was the season of The Ring. That I believe that um, the the ring in its full proper state was the main enemy of the season. So I wanted to talk about Shaw and then like the ring. What what did we feel about them now that now that both of them are presumably out of the picture at least for a little while? Mm-hmm. With Shaw, I I like I I have generally positive feelings of Shaw as a 
protagonist turned antagonist. I maintain that that's okay. In the past episode, last week's episode, I, I talked about how I wish they really did more with Shaw in the last few episodes and kind of made him more deranged and kind of and just make more of a, a contrast between evil Shaw and good Shaw and make evil Shaw like really let Brandon Routh have like fun and kind of have him be more kind of unpredictable and dangerous. But I think everyone is entitled to their own feelings and opinions about this, but I think if people dislike the character of Shaw because he is just kind of boring, especially in the second half of the episode or the second half of the season and doesn't do a lot, I think that's a valid criticism of him. But if you specifically don't like the character because he's in the love trapezoid with Chuck and Sarah and prevents Sarah and Chuck from getting together, I don't feel like that's a valid criticism of him because I feel Mm -hmm. like that's an important obstacle that the show needed to at least present to them before they could get together and for it to be satisfying for them to get together. Mm -hmm. So I think Shaw is I generally favorable opinions about Shaw. Like Mm -hmm. I think I, and I said it before at some point in the past episode that it's good to, I I think it's really clever that they had an actual antagonist on the show. Finally, who actually has like depth and a reason for being evil or wanting to do Mm -hmm. the things that he's doing and go against the team with trying to avenge his wife's death rather than other characters who are just like, I'm an evil person and this is what I do. Like it was really interesting to, especially when I think it's interesting when he becomes, when he downloads the intersect and becomes more of a foil for Chuck because he starts Mm -hmm. off being a foil for Chuck, but then kind Mm -hmm. of loses that and becomes more of like this weird mentor slash rival Mm -hmm. slash whoever. And then they become friends and then he becomes evil. And so I think it's kind of, I'm glad that they did Shaw as a character and they took that risk. And I feel like it mostly pays off. Yeah, I think um, I agree with everything that you said. I think that I really, really like him in the beginning half of the season. And I do like I do buy his turn to evil. Like, I think that you could argue that it's like a little bit weak as a motivation or it's a little bit strange that he would say, ah, this organization killed my wife and now I will join them. But I think like the irony of that, I think it's cool. And I think he becomes a genuine threat, particularly in Chuck versus the other guy. And um, I think that he's scary and he's a little bit like, I think that the fact that he was like a romantic partner of Sarah's is like, makes him that much more threatening because he knows so much about her. And I really like the like hints of how he uses that in the latter half of the season, especially like when he calls her Sam or when he like makes reference to that. But I do kind of find him to be like more of a classic, like one dimensional, boring villain in those last couple episodes. And I agree with you that I wish more was done with him because it would be really cool to see him falling apart. I also think um, regarding the ring, I think they could have done a lot more with the five like they are the um, what is that what they're called? The elders, the elders, the five elders. I think that there were like maybe two or three moments where they were referenced and then. they're just not really a big deal. And I thought that like, especially seeing this room where they're like shadowy figures and they like shoot a man, like I thought they would be a much bigger threat. I thought Mm -hmm. they would come up and really just at the end, they're just like these business professionals who are ushered away. And like, there is a way to do that where it's just like, ah, we think this is so threatening. But then in the end, it's actually just like these like five people in suits. But um, I think that to make that work, we needed to see a little bit more of them. And also, I still don't really understand what the ring is. They're just bad. 
I don't know. It's like they so the ring is like the is a, a cell is a secret part of the CIA that's trying to push through their some kind of evil agenda of world dominating. But it's it's never really that defined and it's kind of like similar to Fulcrum in yeah. the past season where it's just like, we're just a bad faceless entity. And you're like, what exactly do you do? And you're like, um, and I don't, bad things. We want I an intersect. I don't really to, know why they're worse than Fulcrum because like in the last season they were like, Fulcrum was just the tip of the iceberg. The ring is the bad thing. And then like the ring is just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's them. They're doing bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know, like, I'm, I know that this is hard to do. And like, they, there's a lot more to this season of Chuck than like just the, the bad organization that they're fighting against. And it like serves its purpose, but it could have, it could have been a little bit expanded a little more, especially with regard to like who is involved, I guess. Like, because we had like the director who gets captured and Chuck versus the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not really the director because there's also the five elders, but who are they? So there's just a lot. Why were they at that conference? Like, why did they leave their whatever? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I almost wonder, too, if it's kind of is just something that's a byproduct of how the show is so multi-genre and is juggling different things where it's like mm-hmm. we really had legitimately evil, despicable characters would that be kind of too dark for the rest of the tone of the show mm-hmm. like i feel like you almost need this kind of boogeyman in the background we're like we're kind of evil but you don't know why you just want yeah. to stop us is kind of that's the middle ground that's fair like, enough yeah and they know. are riffing on like a like the spy genre does have that like that is like i right. don't know james bond but like that's in this kind of thing and there's just like a nefarious organization they have to stop like we understand that as viewers so mm. It doesn't have to be, but it could be. And I stand by what I said about Shaw. He could have been better in those last couple episodes. So talking about the, you know, our favorite episodes, our least favorite episodes, these are kind of just, you know, up, they're obviously opinions, but they're also not the the hard facts, the data. They're not <laughs> on the record. These are just, this is all off the record. What is the, the definitive record is the scooter scale, of course. Using your own autonomy and free will, what would you rate <laughs> the season using the scooter scale? I really enjoyed the season. This was the season of Aaron, so of course I'm going to give it a high ranking. I think that there were some really, really high highs, and there were some, even the episodes that were not as good were fun. Chuck versus First Class comes immediately to mind. Like That's something that I remember, even though I didn't like everything about it i enjoyed watching it i think there were a lot of episodes with that kind of vibe this season um i think that the overall arc the overall um chuck becoming a spy i think that the creators are absolutely right that this is um there's a lot of ground to cover with now chuck is no longer refusing the call he's accepting the call and he is motivated by the call and also the chuck and sarah stuff sarah and shaw chuck and hannah not so much but like still still fine um, I think all those things were interesting. There were some problems in the last six episodes. We can get into exactly what that was a little bit later in this episode, but I think that overall it's not perfect. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it a five, but I will say four. It's way, way better than average. I would agree. I think it's also like I also wrote down four. Overall, the season has a lot of really strong moments, but it has some misfires too. But obviously the strong moments and things that we enjoyed outweighed the misfires enough mm-hmm. to make it so it's not like 
it wasn't a wash, but we're both like, oh, I'd give it a three. Like it was equal parts good and bad. It was like, no, the good parts were slightly, you know, higher in volume than the parts that we weren't so keen on. So I think that the the arc of the season is really solid. And I think that in a lot of ways, it's kind of the pivotal season of the series because it's just in terms of character development and all the plot development and all the growth that happens, it kind of ends up being the bridge between, you know, the past, the the first seasons and then the later seasons. I feel like this is kind of the, the linchpin to it both. And I recall, obviously, my memory is not great as I'm learning through going through Go Chuck Yourself. I misremember a lot of things about Chuck, but I recall that season three was like the the best season or the most consistent season, maybe. And uh, for me, at least when I watched it when I was a teenager and I I feel like this viewing kind of confirms that still where I'm like, yeah, that was overall pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, I agree. Now that we've done the scooter scale, we're going to flip back. We usually do Chuck, Mary kill before the scooter scale on a normal episode, but this is not a normal episode. No, it's it an, is not. It's an abnormal episode. <laughs> it's an extraordinary episode. So we'll be doing Chuck, Mary kill this time around. We're going to be choosing something from the entire season that we'd want to marry and something from the entire season that we would like to kill. So for my Mary, I actually have a couple things. Is it going to be a polyamorous marriage? Always good. Unless it's not. Unless it's not. Unless it's not consensual. But going <laughs> off the top of my head, um, I really, really enjoyed the elevator scene in that was Chuck versus the other guy where Chuck and Sarah are bringing increasing numbers of ring agents into the elevator in their attempt to kidnap the director. Um, I also like how they um, utilize that when when Shaw comes in and makes the turn towards um, he pretends to kill everyone, but actually he hasn't. I think that that's really good. I really, really like the plot thread of uh, Ellie thinking that Casey is a strange, drunken man who lives next door to her. I like the various elements of that with Devin telling the story about how he wet himself in Griffith Park how Casey reacts to him and or how Ellie reacts to Casey in subsequent episodes. And I think that that kind of plays into um, her when Justin says that uh, Casey is actually a spy. I think that kind of plays into her approach to him. And I think that that's really cool. And then finally, I would be remiss if I did not mention Sasha, who is my favorite guest spot and also my Mary. She's a she's just she's a good girl. Truly a very polyamorous marriage. Yes, there's a there's a drunk man, there's a tiger, and there is an elevator. Well, I I got very abstract for my Mary. Okay, please. <laughs> uh, I was thinking that I would like to marry the scaled down budget of this season. Okay. Because I think that aside from some potentially questionable uses of green screen, mm -hmm. I really don't think the scaled down budget for this season, which was made known during the Save Chuck campaign and that they were going to have less money to work with. I really don't think that it really hindered the show in any way. Mm -hmm. If any, if anything, I feel like the fewer resources kind of forced the writers and producers to get more creative. And I think they just did a really good job throughout the entire season of um, doing with doing really good with what they had. And, making it not really seem like the budget had changed. Obviously there were times where we were like, ah, they would have done this differently in an earlier season, but the fact that the show is still, you know, around for a third season and, and happens to have less money, I don't think is, is uh, that big of a problem, especially not as big as a problem as you might think when you hear that they have, the budget was cut going into season three. So 
Okay, was... so that's an interesting Mary, but sure. <laughs> I'll go with it. I was thinking really big picture. I'm looking at yeah, the forest that, Well, here. that's good. Yeah, I just kind of picked like a composite of uh, things that I had liked. You picked but my your... kill is actually more of a big picture thing. Okay. So my kill is, um, I think that this season did a really poor job with uh, the ways it said goodbye to former characters. Mm. Immediately, Anna comes to mind. I know we talked about that. I think her send-off was um, weak and bordering on offensive. Um, it was at least consistent with how she was treated as a whole in the show. But I think that a lot more could have been done with either either she shouldn't have been there at all. Her goodbye is just that she ran off on Morgan while they were in Hawaii. Or if she comes back, I wish she had done something cool because she was a cool character that they created that like she like we saw in previous seasons, like Casey calling the NSA and suggesting that they recruit Anna. Like there's all these things that they could have done if they were going to bring her back. And instead they just had her be kind of like, um, sad pathetic character who morgan uses as a stepping stone yeah <laughs> um but i also want to highlight emmett who we haven't talked about in a while who is just like uh, unceremoniously shot in the face in truck versus the pink slip and doesn't doesn't come up again it's not anything um really isn't talked about at all they're just get rid of him and i understand if tony hale was like done with chuck and off to go do something else but i wish that he had gotten some kind of send off that was like, and even if they were going to have him be unceremoniously shot, like that could at least have been more of a punchline that they bring up again. But it's just really, he's just gone. It's like they didn't even care. Yeah, it, it is kind of crazy that it's that, you know, and it was in season three. You wouldn't think that, but he was yeah. for the first episode. And then yeah. you, I feel like they kind of obviously it would be, you know, does this take priority over other stuff? Probably not, but they could have had dialogue or references to Emmett yeah. throughout the buy more in season three yeah. and like referring to him at least. So it's not just like this kind of where he just vanished entirely. And yeah. no, everyone's like, Oh, well, Oh, well, I, I don't know. It just, yeah. Cause he's such a major character. And then they just, yeah. Really struck just him from get the rid of him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they did that, like if they did that with big Mike or if they did that with like, they didn't even really do that with Harry Tang. Like at least like Harry Tang is going away is kind of like a, a joke. Like, I don't know. I don't know that Emmett was handled particularly well. Can I tell you something embarrassing that I just realized? Sure. That I didn't realize until right this second that Harry Tang is a is a euphemism, is a it's a sexual uh, innuendo. Is it? Yep. Did you look it up? Nope. My subconscious Wait, just made that connection you right just now. Know? Yep. I don't care for that. No, no, I don't either. Okay, well, I'm glad that we neither of us realized, but that's upsetting. It is upsetting. It is. It's very upsetting. I'm glad he left the show to go beyond Dexter. How did we? How did we miss that from the entire first season? How did that not cross my mind? I don't know. Because you're, because you're a mature adult, Chris. I'm more surprised that your 14 year old self didn't make that connection. No, no, I was very uninformed about most things <laughs> when I was 14. I'm, I absolutely yeah. would not have understood that reference. Okay. So um, <laughs> other than the fact that Harry Tang is a euphemism, what would you kill about uh, season three? Uh, I, 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 I agree with everything that you had said. I had a hard time kind of picking something because I feel like, you know, as we were saying, overall, we feel like this is a pretty solid season and I didn't have too many 
season wide bones to pick with this. I was really trying to think of season wide issues mm-hmm. that I That's had. Fair. Uh, and I, th- I just kind of came back to the idea that like, I think Chuck and Ellie's relationship this season was kind of underserviced. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that they were able to reconcile in the final episode and kind of have this Chuck tells Ellie the truth and Ellie is part of the spy world and they kind of are able to grieve for their father sort of and both be there when he dies kind of. But I just feel like that could have had more weight to it if Chuck at least seemed more considerate of Ellie throughout the rest of the season because we joked about like how Chuck was so out of touch with her and what was going on with her and Devin throughout a lot of the season that it kind of was like they just didn't I feel like they really handled the Chuck Ellie relationship a lot better in the the first season and I guess the second season as well now that I'm thinking about it that they really just kind of dropped the ball on that this particular season yeah I think that because like it's so important like especially in season one like it's integral to Chuck's character like how he relates to Ellie how he's going to keep things from her and then it just kind of I don't know if it got too hard to maintain but they just kind of like get rid of it and it then it makes Chuck's character feel inconsistent when he's making decisions that don't align with like when he's like yeah Sarah and I are just gonna like leave like my family won't care mm-hmm. like that's inconsistent and makes like him seem like not as good of a guy so mm-hmm. so now that we've married and killed we'd like to talk about the overall season three just as a as a whole thing no we're not giving it a score this isn't the scooter scale we just want to have like a uh, unstructured conversation. Erin is is making me very uncomfortable with all of the gesticulating that she's doing. And I, yeah, I think it's just kind of thinking of season three as a whole, how it relates to the past seasons, how it may relate to the future seasons, what it means for the the culture of the show, the zeitgeist, the the mythos, if you will. Uh, where, <laughs> where do we begin, Erin? I think, um, I guess, I guess I'll start with just saying, like, I said it before, I'll say it again, this was the season of Aaron, and I do stand by that. I think this was the season that I have enjoyed the most. I think this is the season that I have related to the most. I don't know if maybe, um, like, I, I like spy stuff more. Like, I didn't like Chuck becoming a man as much. I didn't like, uh, Chuck, like, being a bumbling idiot. I just liked Chuck becoming a spy. But I think that this season has like what we're talking about with like the different genre elements i think that it manages them into the most cohesive interesting whole i think that the comedy highs are really high i think that the romance is really good uh hannah aside i think that the overall like arc of the season of like chuck like deciding he wants to be a hero like as opposed to in past seasons when he's like forced into this like now he is making an active choice and that just makes him like a more compelling character to watch um i think seeing sarah come into her own like i think it's very interesting that she tells her real name to shaw and not chuck i think it's an interesting choice that chuck overhears that um i think that casey's development i think the introduction of casey's daughter is interesting and i think that this season did like the biggest miracle of all in making me like morgan like i did not think that that was going to happen and it did and i don't think that like there were some kind of like egregious errors this season of potentially offensive material but there wasn't really any like jeff and lester having like a casting call with hot women and like there were there were some like small like one-liners that I was like, yeah, I don't like that. But there wasn't really any like 
big things that were disgusting that immediately come to mind. So I think, um, I think all of those things make this a really good season. Um, but I think that all of the moments of the season that I like are before those last six episodes. I know I texted you earlier in the week that I was feeling a little bit sad about those episodes. I think that I can't entirely fault like the cast crew creators of Chuck for what happened, but I think that NBC really put them in a rough position by giving them those episodes because they had a like very satisfying full season planned out and then suddenly it cheapens everything to be like, oh, Shaw was actually alive. And I don't I don't know if it's an issue of time. I don't know if it's just an issue of like revising their earlier idea. But it seems like a lot of the problems they introduce in those last six episodes, like Chuck being mad that Sarah hasn't said I love you, even though she kind of had said I love you. She just hadn't said the words I love you is kind of weird. Like Mm -hmm. the conflict with them moving in together, while it is like kind of believable, it just like it makes it less satisfying that they had this like beautiful moment in their relationship. And then there's like these last six episodes where they don't have enough time to really explore like a big issue. So they're just throwing these like little things like, Oh, what about our future? What about moving in together? Like, and it becomes a little bit annoying that a lot of those issues are like resolved within the episode. Like it's kind of the last six episodes just feel like this weird thing. And then I think like the character of Shaw is really like the biggest miss with that, that like he was genuinely threatening and genuinely interesting as a character. And then in these last six episodes, he's just kind of like this, like, figure that is not really that interesting and is just kind of going through the motions of being the bad guy and is doing what you'd expect a bad guy to do without any of the like Shaw things that we have seen earlier. I'm happy that the show got support from NBC. I'm happy that it got renewed. And I think maybe these last couple episodes in their viewership was a part of that. But I do wish that like we were coming into this having just watched Chuck versus the other guy as the finale, as opposed to Chuck versus the ring part two. Mm -hmm. Well, this was something that I was thinking, and it's kind of, obviously it's impossible to really know either way or, or whatever, but just kind of as like a thought experiment, like say season three does end with Chuck versus the other guy. Where do you think season four would pick up or what the arc of season four would be? Do they drag out? Would they really expand upon basically the last six episodes? And just kind of make them turn that whole those arcs into a full season? Or do you think it would be like they would do half a season with those arcs or they would do 13 episodes with the kind of arc of Sarah and Chuck learning how to be in a relationship of, you know, maybe Shaw is back. Maybe Steven is back, whoever. Like, I just because I think I'm like, well, obviously, those those last six episodes could have been stronger. But at the same time, is it better that they were tagged tacked on to the end of season three rather than? creating maybe a subpar season four i don't really know but then again i don't know what sub season four is like right now so i have no clue i think that's fair enough i think that if what i would probably want to see is season four starts like past them like getting as opposed to like them getting off a plane from paris like it starts like six months later of like Chuck and Sarah are living together and like kind of those issues have been ironed out. Mm -hmm. And then like, then we go into like Steven comes back and maybe like he tells them about the mom or like whatever, like, um, but I totally see what you're saying. And I think like, it seems like them like killing off Steven and introducing Chuck's mom was a plan that they had had. 
So if that happened at the beginning of a season rather than the end, that might be a little like it's possible to do that. But it also might be a little like weird if just in the premiere of season four, like Steven is shot and is like, you have a mom. And then like, <laughs> um, it would be kind of like them shooting Emmett. So uh-huh. there's no way to know. There's there's ways it could be better. There's ways it could be worse. I'll reserve my judgment until I see season four to see if it's like good enough to like make it worth it. But mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Because I think like at least in terms of the the intersect melting down, I mm-hmm. think that could have been interesting as like a full season. Yes, arc, I absolutely agree. If they had more time to let that breathe and kind of it could have been more impactful. But yeah, with it being kind of shoehorned in at the last second, it kind of felt like it was kind of rushed and. Yes. But yeah, it could have been. But at the same time, like, yeah, I don't think that they if they really wanted to kill Steven <laughs> yeah. to open the season four and be like, here's Steven and be like, hey, guys, and then immediately <laughs> yeah. dies. Yeah. Wouldn't have really worked. So, yeah. But that's not how it was. So doesn't nope. matter. <laughs> Just something yes. something interesting to think about. Yeah. I thought that I was looking at the ratings for this episode or the season. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the season, over the course of the seeding, season, the ratings went down, like steadily went down the entire okay. time. I was trying to make sense of that because I feel like the show, season three is, I feel like it really is all about the relationships. It's about, it's this kind of transitional point and it's, Chuck is you hopefully firing on all cylinders of comedy, action, drama, romance, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. And then I was just wondering, like, I wonder why people were abandoning ship if they just had other things going on if there are other shows in the time block that they were mm-hmm. more drawn to or what but i wonder why people were abandoned i guess if like some of these episodes you may have we might have abandoned ship if we were not <laughs> you know tied to to mm-hmm. seeing this through if we mm-hmm. were just casual viewers you might be like eh, i don't really want to tune in next week yeah and i think that's i don't i don't know i'm not like an expert on tv writings but i think that's pretty common like to have the first yeah. episode of a season be popular and then it steadily decreases but yeah i guess people just really got frustrated with um Chuck and Sarah not getting together and then just jumped off that's that's another kind of thing that i've been thinking about with like when Yvonne was talking about how the tension was really like what you want to see, but then the, the writers were saying like, well, the tension's not really sustainable as a storytelling device because it just kind of, the more obstacles you throw in, it just kind of becomes less believable. So, yeah, a lot of reviewers have said that that I've read. But I don't know. I kind of am concerned that I feel like I almost like it. I like that tension better than them actually being together. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if that's going to be how I feel for all of season four and season five, mm-hmm. or if it was just like, that's how I feel about the last six of season three. I think it will be interesting to see. And I, I can't tell you yet. Do you have any feelings either way? I think that the high of them getting together was worth it. And I think that the, um, I don't think that they could have sustained like I don't I don't know what they would have done. Like say it goes the same way and then Sarah is just like grieving Shaw's death and can't get together with Chuck or whatever. Like I don't think that they could sustain that for 5 seasons. At least with the way the show is structured. I know like plenty of sitcoms have gotten like several seasons out of like will they won't they's, but I feel like like I was seeing in reviews, like we're getting to a point where people are like, you can't keep throwing these obstacles. Like she said, she loves him. Like she can't, you mm-hmm. can't just do that. I'm going to reserve my judgment on like what I will think when we get to season four. If I think that 
it's as it's equally fun seeing them together but i would just hate to see it be like like it was in those last six episodes like just kind of like arbitrary problems of like sarah's being kind of weird about the future or like whatever like i would hate if that's because presumably they have to create tension in their relationship but i want it to be like actual and not like pulled out of nowhere Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and I think the, you know, obviously we kind of forgot about it, but season three for a long time was not going to happen. Season two was going to be yep. it. And then mm-hmm. so I feel like season three overall, like in terms of fan service, I feel like really hit all of the key notes. I feel like sort yeah. of like fans were like, hey, you can have your show back. We'll eat the Subway sandwiches. But here's our yeah. list of demands of what we want to see. So it's yeah. like Chuck and Sarah get together. Morgan finds out about being a spy or Chuck being a spy, you know. Devin and Ellie get yeah. involved in some capacity. Casey has more to do. We Casey learn more about family. Casey. I feel like yeah. they kind of hit all those those big notes. Yeah. So I feel like they were very courteous to the fans. And I could see the fans feeling more, uh, that's what I'm looking for, vindicated. Gratified. Gratified yeah. as a result of season seeing season three. Mm-hmm. I agree. I certainly felt that way. Good. Season of Aaron. I'm glad. So... Uh, well, I think with that being said, I think it's time to say a, a farewell, bid adieu to the hashtag season of Aaron and what a season it has been. It's been a great season and I'm a little I'm a little scared because I felt very safe and protected in what was my season, but now I'm moving on and I don't know whose season this is. Well, some highlights that I wanted to point out from hashtag season of Aaron, you know, Go Chuck Yourself became Italy's number one television review <laughs> podcast for a mm-hmm. brief but glorious moment. Yes. Uh the world was thrust into quarantine. Yeah. Uh, Aaron recorded in a closet. That was new. I did. Uh, I managed to contract coronavirus <laughs> and did that for, you know, a, a little while, but I'm got okay that now. done. Got Checked that, it off your bucket list. Check, get coronavirus. What's this? COVID 19? Sign me up. <laughs> uh, getting to witness the Chuck Cast reunion was a real mm-hmm. silver lining and a lot of mm-hmm. what is. Otherwise, basically just a lot of horse shit going on. Mm -hmm. That was a really cool thing. Getting to see how much money they raised for Feeding America and how much Chuck fans. And how much you had to donate personally. How much I I donated. How much I personally donated. How much Aaron donated. Thanks to the engagement of our social media uh, followers. Uh, We speaking of social media, we had really great interactions with uh, people on the show. The cast, we got retweeted by. Josh Schwartz, which was crazy. I think I may get a tattoo of that on my back. <laughs> um, you say that a lot and then you don't do it. So you need to stop making that promise. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> we got we got some we got uh, a couple new reviews, but we could always stand to get more. If you'd like to um, begin season four by giving us a review on iTunes, that would be great. Yes. We're at 13. How can we talk about hashtag season of air in season three without our legendary episode of Go Fernando Yourself? Featuring it was legendary. Jesse Hyman himself. What a thank this, you, Jesse. This season has been full of surprises, good and bad. But I think <laughs> I'm always going to remember the good surprises. Is what I'm going to take. Away. I am too, because in a way, this was the season of Jesse as well. Season of Fernando, season of Jesse, season of Aaron. Yeah, he wasn't in a lot of the later episodes, but yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't in the Jeffster documentary. I thought you were going to mention him, but you didn't. Nope, there were no buy more associates in that. It was just them. It's too bad. And uh, we also, over the course of the season, by the time this airs, certainly, we'll have both moved apartments. You're yes, that's true. You're going to be in a completely true. new apartment for season four. Yeah. 
Wow. And I'm going to have a desk, which is new. You're going to have a desk? It's gonna be I might new. be able to stand for one episode. Wow. I'm not going to make any promises. I but stopped standing I for these episodes a while ago, and I, it's been awesome. I really enjoyed sitting while recording. It's been good. So, I mean, looking forward, you know, you might be listening to this saying, like, what can I expect? Go check yourself season four. And the answer is, I don't know. The specifics We will are be here. TBD. The we specifics will, are up in the air. We will be back. Uh, we're going to be taking a brief hiatus uh, to enjoy the rest of the summer. So we will be back uh, probably sometime in September. If you may Maybe on our um, on our anniversary, our uh, three, three, two year. The, anniversary? the Chuck anniversary because we yeah. released our first episode on the yes yeah, yeah. The 11th so maybe maybe Chuck. around then probably around then I if, if I were to speculate I would feel good about saying that that's probably when we'll be back but make sure you follow yep. us on Twitter for all of those updates and yep. uh, that's hope- uh go go check yourself go go check podcast that's right and you can also make sure to subscribe so you don't miss that new episode when it comes out and. Just like the show creators themselves were saying that they like to keep evolving the show season to season. I know we are also bent on evolving our show season to season. So hopefully yep. next time you hear from us the next season, we'll have even more surprises. Hopefully good, more good surprises, <laughs> similar to the good surprises of this year. But or this exciting season, announcements, more exciting, exciting announcements. Uh, commentaries. Yes, hopefully I will more, not get coronavirus again. Hopefully yes. you do not get coronavirus at any point. Yeah, that would that would be ideal. That would be a bad surprise for season four, but I hope yeah. that that's not the case. So we we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being part of this journey with us. Three seasons is nothing to laugh about. That's incredible. And you've been with us. So thank you for listening and thank you for engaging with us and writing to us and tweeting at us. We are Always happy to hear from you. And even if you just listen, we're happy about that, too. Yes. And if you uh, want to connect with us over the, you know, while we're not releasing episodes, you can do that, obviously, on Twitter, like we said. But you can also write to us at Go Chuck Pod. Uh, go Chuck. Go Chuck Yourself Podcast at gmail.com. I haven't said it in a while. Go Chuck Yourself Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, that's how you can reach us. And we will respond at some point. Uh, we're usually pretty prompt, I would like to say. That's a promise. We will answer you. We will answer. We just may not see it right away, but we Unless will answer Unless if you're you. Domino's or like one of the like spam emails we get, we might not answer you if that's the case. We get a lot of emails from this one congressman in Pennsylvania. I <laughs> don't know why or how that happened. It's unclear. But uh, Representative Connor Lamb seems like a solid guy. So if you're in his, yeah. his uh, district, you know, maybe consider voting for him this fall. <laughs> seems like a chill dude. From what I yeah. gather from the email list that we got stuck on. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? More surprises for season four. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of that one. And we'll think of a, a, a catchy hashtag name for it. I don't yeah, know we'll what work it will on be, that. but we'll it'll, think of something. It'll become clear once we start watching it. Like, we didn't know it was going to be the season of Aaron until it was the season of Aaron. You right. Know? It will become crystal clear as soon as we start. We'll be like, this is what the season is. Yep. So... From all of us here at Go Check Yourself, I am wishing you a happy remainder of your summer. Hope that you're staying safe and hope you're staying sane with the continuing insanity that goes on. Um, and I, I really thank you for listening and joining us on this. You are the reason that we do this podcast. And last but not least, I would like to say food is sexy. My name is Chris Gillespie. <laughs> it's weird hearing you say it backwards. Uh, anything is possible. My name is Aaron Arana. 
anything is possible. Like me saying the, the catchphrase backwards. Yeah, it's weird. It's uncomfortable, but it's fine. So uh, good. Goodbye. Happy <laughs> summer. See you soon. When I come back, I'll be 27. Whoa. That'll be exciting. Whoa. Whole new Aaron. Yeah. Aaron 3.0. Wow. You thought Aaron 0.27? Aaron 27.0? 2.7? No, I don't know. Is that going to be your blood well, When I was 18, level? I said Aaron 2.0. But now I'm... Now I'm, I guess... Now I can't be drafted anymore? Because that was a concern of mine? I don't... Could you... I don't think that's really how it works. I think you just have to register to be on selective service by the time you're 27. It doesn't mean that you still can't get drafted. Oh, fuck. Okay. Well, but I also, never mind then. You don't have to register for selective service because our do country you? is sexist. Did you have to do that? Yeah. Men have to do that? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. It's the law. So on that note, goodbye. Don't forget to register for the selective service. <laughs> From all of us here at Go Chuck Yourself, see you later. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.